This is Wendy Parrish, and this is Messages from the Middle, episode number nine, Good Grief. On today's episode, I tackle the subject of grief, how we grieve, how we are expected to grieve, and how to live in grief and process the pain that comes from grief. I also talk a moment about the subject of disenfranchised grief, and I'll give you more information on that in the episode. So let's get started. Have you noticed that people don't usually share their struggles until they're over? It's not until they've defeated their dragon and marched victoriously home that they share their story. Well, I'm not one of those people. My name is Wendy Parrish, and I am in the middle of my story. From the middle, I've learned a few things, and I would like to bring you into my story. This is the good, the struggle, the light, the dark, and the lessons learned. This is Messages from the Middle. Hello, and welcome to Messages from the Middle. I'm Wendy Parrish. Today on the episode, we're going to be talking about grief. And I'm really excited to share this information with you if you can say that you're excited about tackling a subject as heavy as grief. But I feel like there's a lot of really good information in here. And before we get started, I want to put a shout out to a book that I read that has been incredibly helpful and transformational for me in my study of grief. And that book is called It's Okay That You're Not Okay by Megan Devine. And I cannot recommend this book highly enough, especially if you are dealing with grief of any kind. She does such a good job at talking about not how to just get over and heal grief and move on, but how to live in grief. And she has her own unique perspective on this because she suffered a devastating loss and so she really knows what she's talking about. I also wanted to ask a favor. If you all wouldn't mind who are listening to the podcast right now, today, if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, that's super helpful. The other thing that would be great is to get the message out more. So if you could screenshot you listening to the episode in your iTunes or Google Play or wherever it is that you're listening to your podcast and post that picture to your social media and tag me at Child Songbird or you can even include a link to the episode. That would be incredibly helpful for me and help me in getting the message out that talking about mental health is good and healthy and we need to be having these hard conversations. So with all of that being said, let's start talking about grief. The first step in the hero's journey is called the call to adventure. I've renamed it a call to trials. This call usually comes quickly and with no warning, sending the hero off to face challenges with very little time and preparation. Bilbo Baggins left the Shire without his hat, walking stick, and handkerchief. He only had the clothing on his back. This hobbit never left the Shire without his hat, walking stick, or handkerchief. My call came in three brutal swift blows. The first turned me to sand, the second froze me to stone, and the third shattered me into pieces. My memories of these moments are both vivid and blurry at the same time. 
I don't recall seeing much but black, but I remember screaming and I remember running and I remember my husband's strong arms around me trying to bring me back to myself. After that, it felt like my particles were floating everywhere and nowhere at the same time. What I thought I knew, what I had seen as my future was gone. My life could now be split into two parts, life before and life after, except I couldn't see what life after was. I had no idea what after would look like. I didn't have words for what I was experiencing at the time. Nothing made any sense. I was in so much pain. I couldn't understand why I felt so broken. No one had died. There was no devastating diagnosis. My marriage was strong and happy. This was my very own hell. I was here all alone. I was grieving a loss, yet I hadn't lost anyone. It had never occurred to me that grief could happen that's not related to the death of a loved one. As a society, we associate the word grief with death, but grief occurs at any time there's a loss of someone or something you truly and deeply love. Grief is the cost of loving. Grief is a result of living in a world as human beings who have emotions. The most powerful and important of these emotions is love. We should love and we need to love. Closing our hearts to love as a way of avoiding suffering is not living. And I know all of this is true, but I wished and I prayed that I had never loved so deeply with my whole heart the way that I did. I wished daily that I'd never put myself in a position to feel this kind of pain. In my body, grief feels like a burning in my chest and in my solar plexus. It burns and it aches, followed by a dark, giant, powerful ocean wave inside my body washing away all the light and all the joy and all the hope. Then there's the knife in my heart, causing me to bleed out, yet I'm still alive. Why? Why am I still alive when my heart is bleeding? To this day, grief is my daily companion. It reminds me of the locket horcrux in Harry Potter, always around my neck, weighing me down just enough, but not so much that I realize exactly what's happening. And then every once in a while, the locket gets opened and I'm enveloped in darkness and hopelessness. I know at those times I should sit and allow myself to feel and process these emotions that grief brings up. Let it have its moment and hear what it's trying to tell me, but I'm busy healing and I'm trying not to be that person. So I push it away and try to get back to my life. Have you ever heard the phrase, what you resist persists? If you haven't, then now's the time to hear it. Resisting emotion keeps the emotion with you stronger and longer. Resisting emotions causes the emotion to come back stronger and in more destructive ways. The thing with grief is you don't just notice it, process the emotion, work through the five stages of grief, and then you're good. Grief is different. Grief brings up different emotions and each emotion grief brings up in you needs to be noticed and allowed and worked through. As for the five stages that are talked about in relation to grief, and those are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. They are meant only to serve 
as a guide of what kind of emotions to expect, especially in early grief. They are not linear and not meant to be a simple path you walk for a prescribed amount of time and then you're all better. With time and work, you may feel the painful emotions less frequently or they won't be as intense, but grief is always with you. You have lost something and that isn't going to change. Grief becomes the roommate you never wanted and is always there wherever you are. I know this sounds crazy, but you don't want it any other way. If you love unconditionally, then you will ache unconditionally. It will ebb and flow, but that grief stays with us forever. And it doesn't help that living in grief is a minefield. You never know what's going to trigger a new wave of sadness or longing, a time of the year that reminds you of all the good things or the painful things, a social media post that should have been you or them, a smell, a bird, a location, a song, those dang songs, or photographs, snapshots frozen in time with thousands of memories contained in that one second. They're both wonderful and painful. Another thing about grief is that everyone will experience it at some point in their life, and yet no one wants to. It's something people don't want to acknowledge when they see it in others because it makes it all too real. As a society, we just don't know what to do when we or someone we know is grieving. We want to see people move on and get better, triumph over their grief. Think about how many movies and books we have about how someone becomes or finds their purpose because of loss. That message isn't helpful when you're grieving. When discussing my grief with a therapist, she told me to look at the sixth stage of grief. That stage is called finding meaning. Like if I could just find meaning in the suffering, I would get better. Like if I just knew why this happened, it would be all over and I would be healed. What if there is no meaning? What if hard things just happen because we live in an imperfect world filled with imperfect people and imperfect circumstances? What if what we really need to do with grief is not fix it, but learn how to carry it. To be able to wake up each day and get out of bed and find something to be grateful for while still feeling the grief. Knowing that it will always be with us and that's okay. It's the price that we pay for loving. The type of grief I'm dealing with is called disenfranchised grief. Many people are in disenfranchised grief and they don't even know it. Disenfranchised grief is grief that is not usually openly acknowledged, socially accepted, or publicly mourned. Examples of disenfranchised grief include the loss of a pet, a miscarriage, loss of a body part, loss of a person who is still alive but their personality has changed from dementia, mental illness, or drug use. This can include loss of your own personality for those same reasons. Also, loss of a loved one who is not blood-related, a friend, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, for example. This is grief that we don't feel like we can talk about. This grief is lonely, painful, and riddled with guilt. I shouldn't be mourning someone who's still alive. 
This form of grief is called disenfranchised because society doesn't recognize the relationship with the deceased, the importance of the loss, and or the need to be a griever. Society also attempts to regulate how, when, and how long people may grieve by placing terms such as complicated grief on those who seem to grieve longer than society's expectations. We establish definitions of proper and improper mourning, such as putting a time limit on how long we grieve and how we behave when grieving. Someone is either too sad, sleeping too much, and not just getting on with it, or out and about living their normal life too early. If grief doesn't look the way we think it should, then it's wrong. When grief is considered acceptable, there are rituals that surround and ease the pain of the bereaved. However, this is usually not the case for those experiencing disenfranchised grief. There's often no bereavement leave for work or sympathy cards found to validate the loss that people don't know about or don't understand. Dismissive and hurtful comments such as, you're still young, you can have another baby. Be glad you're still alive. Be glad they're still alive, or it was only a dog. Demonstrate hurtful statements made in an effort to fix the sadness of disenfranchised grief. So we mourn in private. We continue to spiral and ask questions like, what's wrong with me? Compare ourselves to others in similar situations. The same thing happened to Karen and she's doing just fine. There are no support groups. You just feel stuck. No matter what is causing your grief, we need to find a way to live in our grief, know that there is pain as a result of loss, but we can be free from the suffering that comes when we try to remove the pain, solve for the pain, or resist the pain. When it comes to grief, it feels like we are only given two options. We are either permanent passengers on the struggle bus, or we've moved quickly through the grief, risen above the pain, and transformed and are better than before. I want to offer that there is a middle option, a way to acknowledge the pain, not denying it or rushing to the end of the story. You can learn the tricks of the fire swamp, build a home there and live quite comfortably for some time. That's a call back to episode one, by the way, if you haven't listened to it. There's no catchy phrase or cliche advice that will end your grief. The way to live, and I mean live in grief, is to acknowledge and allow all the emotions that come with grief. Bear witness to the pain you experience as a result of your loss. If you feel angry, be angry. Anger is a reaction to injustice and the loss of love is an injustice. If you're sad, be sad. Deep sadness is a proper response to the loss of a loved one. Cry, scream, feel all of it. It's when we deny our emotions that true suffering occurs. Each of the emotions that show up as a result of loss is your body telling you something. If you don't listen, it will find a way to show up bigger, louder, and more destructive than before. Buried anger becomes rage. Sadness, stuffed down and put aside, creates depression, anxiety, and or apathy. The way to survive grief or loss is by allowing the clean pain to exist. Don't push it away, ignore it, or tell yourself you shouldn't feel this way. You absolutely should feel this. Hurting because you have lost is part of the human condition. 
Pain is the cost of loving. Suffering is the result of avoiding and rejecting emotions. Going all in on love is the cure to suffering. Love knowing that everything in this life is temporary. Love knowing what you can love can be taken away or changed at any time. Love with the knowledge that there will be pain, but there will also be joy. And if you're willing to feel any emotion, you can learn to live in the middle with joy and pain as your next door neighbor. This is how you live in this imperfect world without losing yourself to suffering. So how do you allow emotions, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. You start by getting out of your head and into your body. Find the emotion in your body. Where is it? Is it in your chest, your stomach, your throat, your arms, your jaw? Once you've located the emotion, ask yourself, what does it feel like? Ask questions like, is it hard or soft, hot or cold? Does it move? Does it have texture? Is it smooth? Is it sticky? Does it have a color? Picture this emotion where it is in your body. If it moves, allow it to move. If it pulses, let it pulse. Then you name the emotion. This is fear. This is sadness. This is disappointment. This is frustration. Then you breathe into it. These emotions need oxygen. Then allow them to tell you what they have to say. Stay in the emotion for as long as it takes. In the Apple TV show Shrinking, the Harrison Ford character gives some really great advice. He tells his clients to find some music that makes them feel sad. And I'll alter that to say whatever emotion it is that needs to be processed. And listen to that music, set a timer for 15 minutes, and go all in on that emotion for 15 minutes. Feel it, notice it, allow it to be there. There will be some emotions that are processed in only a few minutes. Others will take more time. But allowing them to be in your body allows you freedom from constant suffering. And I wish that I could say that you only need to process an emotion once and then you're done. But you're going to need to go through this every time that emotion comes up for you. The good news is, as you get better and more practice at this, you can just allow it kind of on the go. I'm at that point with anxiety where I can just say, okay, anxiety, guess we're hanging out today. And I've given her a name. My anxiety's name is Freya and she's a Viking and she just hangs out with me some days and that's okay. I know this might all sound very woo-woo, but this is how you learn to live with the multi-spectrum of emotions that our bodies can have. This is how you gain emotional intelligence and this is how we learn to live with the pain of being human without getting buried in debilitating suffering. Grief will come to us all. We need to build a better understanding of grief, a new language for ourselves and for others who suffer from loss. We don't need to quickly resolve our grief so that we can be a better person. We need compassion and love for ourselves and for others in times of loss. If you are grieving, there is no prescribed time for when you need to be better or a picture of what it looks like when you are out of mourning. Allow all of the feelings, mourn the loss, breathe into the pain. The cost of loving is grief, but life without love 
isn't life. So go all in on love. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Let's connect. Find me on Instagram at child songbird, or you can shoot me an email, wendy at messagesfromthemiddle.com. If you would like more information on processing emotion and would like to work with me one-on-one as I talk you through processing emotion, I am offering for a limited time some free coaching sessions. I'm going to put the link in my bio on my Instagram. Again, that's at child songbird, where you can connect to my calendar and work with me. I would love to work with you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle of my story. My theme music is white linen by Asher child. He's my kid. You can find all of his amazing music on all streaming platforms. And you know, it just wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. But seriously, it would really mean so much to me if you did. Thank you so much and see you next time. When I'm walking.